Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Beverly Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with BetRivers yet, now is the time. BetRivers Sportsbook is offering a $250 match bonus to your first deposit. But what sets them apart? They require require the USA basketball sweatshirt. This is the most when you win uh, at Beverly Sportsbook. They pay fast uh, for us. And now it's even faster with Rush uh, I'm in my beautiful uh, hotel room here. It's safe, it's in. secure, it's reliable. I don't know where I you know. are. I've seen you at games, but I have no idea where you're March staying. Madness, uh, right I was now, downtown, there's but never been a better time to give Bet Rivers Sportsbook uh, a try. Go to BetRivers.com today uh, or download the Bet Rivers Carmel. It must be a 21-year-old. Is that like their gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. for maybe 20 minutes? Like, it's not bad. I'm doing the – I did the Elite Eight games, and then I'm doing the 3X3U stuff now. Um, and I think they just needed a hotel where they could fit everybody in because there's a lot of, there's, you know, 16 teams of four kids and there's some staff and some announcers. And they actually brought in the guys I play three and three with to teach the college guys how to play like the rules and stuff. Cause there are some funky rules in it. Um, so they're, they're doing that over at the, uh, at a fitness club right now. And then they'll play downtown by Lucas oil. I think in an old, uh, old hockey arena. So maybe really? if you're nice. Have you- have you screwed anybody up yet with three on three? Like, like tips? Are you giving clinics? I'm a great mentor to the kids, and if you're nice, <laughs> to them, well, you you mentor in the same sentence, man. I never thought I'd heard those words. Why? I mean, I played long enough. You always joke that I played 27 <laughs> yeah. students. Why couldn't I mentor anybody? You 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 could you could you could absolutely mentor at some point. All right, let, let's start out. We got plenty of news to talk about today, Rob. Uh, plenty of news. It started with the retirement of one Roy Williams, and uh, a guy that's one of the greatest in our sport. I mean, no doubt about it. And you know, I had heard the rumblings, especially over the last week, Rob, because you started to hear that that a lot of guys were going to go pro from Carolina or were going to transfer. And that Roy was getting frustrated and he might call it a career. But then as recently as like two days ago, he's calling recruits. So I think he was still torn up until the last 48 hours. But ultimately from talking to people, it was a combination of things. He's 70 years old, number one. They're not going to have a chance to win a national title next year. He's frustrated by the fact that he's never had kids transfer out of his program until the last couple of years. And now there's a bunch. And then you add in the name image likeness that's on the horizon. And it's just the landscape has completely changing in college basketball. I think 
Roy's the first of multiple guys that are that are older anyway, whether it's Kay, Bayheim, maybe Leonard. I know he just signed extension, but I think a lot of these guys are going to get frustrated with the changing landscape of college basketball. Did you think it was an April Fool's joke? Because I did. I thought it was like the ultimate April Fool's prank. So I just got – the reason why I didn't was I just got my, – my daughter had texted me and said, Dad, I just got a speeding ticket. Mom's going to be pissed at me. And it hit me right away. I'm like, you can't be this dumb because she just got in an accident. Not a bad accident, but she hit a snowbank coming out of our driveway. I'm like, you can't – you cannot have done this again. And then I thought about it. And I'm like, all right. It, called her up. I said, yeah, April Fool's, whatever. And then literally – Five minutes later, the Roy stuff broke. So I didn't think it was April Fool's, but I called Steve Kirshner from Carolina immediately just to say, hey, done, right? He said, yeah, not an April Fool's joke. Um, what, what a run he had at Carolina. I mean, three national titles, what, 14 seasons there? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the teams he had were so loaded. Like, I look back on the, the Ty Lawson group with, yep. you know, Burrow and Danny Green and, and just some – Certainly the Sean May group as well that, that knocks off Illinois. I mean, those two teams were are some of the, the best had um, in, in the sport. So I just think, you know, a really good guy, a really good guy to deal with. You know, when you when you yes. did a care game, Roy Williams was, was so accommodating and just a nice person. You know, I, yeah. I really enjoyed I, – I don't get to do many ACC games, but I did a, a Louisville – North Carolina game, my first year of doing this randomly. I got the old switcheroo. Um, they do. Moved off, of, moved off of Trey Young in Texas to uh, North Carolina, Louisville. But, yeah, um, kind of a sad thing for me. I, I, he's been such a staple. You know, as a kid, he was at Kansas. Yeah. goes to Carolina. And, man, it's – I know we talked about this earlier, but there are a lot of guys – that in the next probably five, six, seven years are, are going to be hanging it up. And it's going to be really weird. Yeah, and there aren't – and I don't want to get yet onto it, but what we will in a second here, there aren't a ton of candidates in the family. But um, first, like where does, where does Roy rank for you among like the, the elite coaches in college basketball? Is he, you know, top five? Is he top ten? You know, obviously you've got like the guys like Wooden – uh, K that we had a different level uh, after that. I mean, three national titles. He's had two of the best jobs in America. And a lot of people hammer him for that route. A lot of people over the years were like, ah, he rolls the ball out. You know, he's had the two best jobs in college basketball. Uh, I don't think he quite got his, his, his credit. Yeah. I mean, you still got to get the players there and you still got to coach them up. I, he had to work hard to get the Kansas job. It's not like they just dole that out to you and me. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he, he certainly has been in two really good places. But I, I don't know. I You know, you mentioned Wood and you mentioned Coach K. He can't be that far behind. He's got to be right. the top the next six. year. Yeah, I, I think he's in the next – he's top six, seven coach in college basketball. I mean, he, he had a phenomenal career. And I don't think you can ever ding a guy for – for where he's at, it he had to get there first, and he was a Carolina guy. You know, he paid his dues to get that job as an assistant, and you know, a guy that the Carolina family trusted. And yeah, I, I think he's got to be one of the top six or seven coaches that we've had in college basketball. Yeah, he was always um, very fair to me. You know, yeah. even when when you criticize him, 
uh, extremely fair. We had we had a couple of, of, of mishaps. Um, Who have you one involved? I know this one honestly wasn't either one of our faults. I, I, I'm trying to remember all the specifics, but it was basically when all this stuff came out about the academic scandal. Um, there were a bunch of Carolina players that uh, sent a letter to me, I believe. I don't know if I was at ESPN or maybe at CBS. A bunch of players sent a letter to me, emailed me a letter, and Roy, for some reason, didn't think that I used the letter or something like that, that I didn't do what the players wanted me to do. And I, I sent it along to, I think it was ESPN, maybe the desk or, or whatnot, and, and then it was kind of out of my hands. So I remember he wouldn't let me into practice. And usually he was great about letting me in. I had no idea why the next year. I asked him to go to practice. No, I'm not allowed in. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So I remember being up in, in the top where you watch practice at Carolina, up high um, in the balcony, and Steve Kirshner came up, and he said something about it. And I said, Steve, I'll pull it up on my phone right here. You can see that I forwarded it to the desk. And that was it. Then it's kind of out of my hands. They can do with it whatever they want. And I showed it to him. And after that, Roy and I were great. But like for almost a year, he was thinking that I didn't do what, again, the players wanted me to do, which was pass along this letter that was signed by a bunch of the Carolina players when everything kind of first went down about the academic fraud. So, um, yeah, it was a misunderstanding, Robbie, a misunderstanding. Glad you cleared that up. Thank God. Yeah, I know. Well, it, it it did bother me, though. That one bothered yeah. me. Like, I brought on a lot of those to myself with, with maybe some of the issues I've had, but I've never I've never had an issue with Roy because he's always, to me, he's always been, been pretty forthright. Like, he's not uh, – he's entertaining. You could see it in press conferences. He'll get frustrated. He'll say it exactly how he feels. And, sure. and sometimes people haven't liked that, but I enjoy it. I, I, I think you kind of know what Roy's thinking. I think we knew what Roy was thinking – here over these last couple of weeks is like, I just don't know if I can, if I want to do it anymore. You know, I don't know if I want to do it. Yeah. And who can blame him? I mean, he's been there forever. He's 70 years old. Go play golf every yeah. day. Do what you enjoy. He probably will. He probably will play golf every, every day and he'll be much better at it than you. Well, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how good he is. So you never know. I don't know. He, who do you I think, think he's good? Go and get. So I think you have to keep it in the Carolina family. It's like Indiana I mean, kind of yeah, word. Yes. It's, even more. Or so. No, even more. The Carolina family is like like this, Rob. Like, it is so tight. Those dudes from all eras, like, hang out together. They come down. They play ball against each other uh, in the offseason. Like, it's like no other program. Seriously, no other program. Because it, it spans back further than all the other ones because you have the connection – with Dean and Roy, it's just been so long for that same kind of family. You know, Matt Doherty, when, when he came in, obviously. So I, I think it's going to stay in the family. If you're asking me if I'm a betting man, who, who they're going to hire, I would put my money on Hubert Davis. Mm-hmm. I would put my money on Hubert Davis. I, I would hire Wes Miller, you know, at 38 years old, played at Carolina, has a little more energy than Hubert. Like Hubert's a great guy from everything I heard, but a lot of people question that are that are close to him whether he's the right guy for that job or it's another kind of Dean Smith, Bill Guthridge type deal. And, and Hubert's a better assistant 
than he is a head coach. I think Wes Miller is the right guy for the job because he's done it in a mid-major. He's grinded it. Um, I don't know how much Hubert has been involved in recruiting, to be honest, over the last few years. But, like, Wes is in the area. Yeah, he hasn't recruited high-major dudes, but you know, he knows all the guys that you probably need to know for the most part in that area AUS. Is there anybody outside of the, like the Carolina, like could a Chris Holtman get a call or a Matt Painter or is it just like, I, I just don't think they'll do it. Yeah. I just don't think again that if I'm Carolina and Bubba Cunningham, now the only thing you'd say is Bubba Cunningham, their AD is not a Carolina guy. So maybe, but I think he's going to get pushback if he tries to go outside the family. I think all those former players will be pissed off. So I think you know, the first thing you do is go in the family if you can. And if there's nobody there, which, again, listen, neither Wes Miller or Hubert Davis or Jerry Stackhouse, my guy, or um, yeah, or King Rice or Jared Haas, none of them are – like, same thing at Duke, by the way. When, when this thing opens at Duke, we're going to yeah. have the same the same – Scenario like who do we go with? Is there a guy within the family? I just can't see a scenario where they don't keep it in the family. I, I haven't seen his name, and honestly, this is bad. I'm not. I assume he's still on the bench. Is Steve Robinson still an yeah. assistant? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Long time assistant. I remember seeing Roy at the Nike All America camp and some of those AAU tournaments, and he was he was his lead guy then. Like, does he get a call? Yes. I don't. I think so. I mean, remember he was at Florida State years ago, 63 years old, maybe. Again, I think if you're going to go with somebody in the staff, you're probably going to go with Hubert Davis. You probably are. And, and, and again, I don't know if it works or not, but I think the other part is, does Roy want Hubert Davis? You know, how much say does Roy Williams have in, in his successor? I, I think he'll have quite a bit. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy. crazy. Um, yeah, that was that was one of uh, two big ones today. The other big one wasn't nearly as surprising. Um, really wasn't surprising at all. You know, Chris Beard's buyout dropped today, um, so they had to wait till April first, really, because if you're Texas and, and Chris Del Conte, you, why, why not wait? Why not wait and get it done today? So uh, you have to pay less for the buyout. I don't know the financial figures yet. I, I got to try to find that out. I've been kind of crazy today, but uh, I think Texas Tech offered more than Texas did. But I think Chris Beard just said, you know what? Texas is a better job. I went to school there. I know I can maybe win a, a national title. And all those people that are going to say to me, well, he came within a basket and won a national title and went to a lead eight at Texas Tech. He did. He did. But I think even he realized that was almost unsustainable to be able to keep doing it. In the last two years, it was clear that it was unsustainable because they were not mediocre, but they weren't great, Rob. They were like 500 in Big 12 play. So now he can get he can get really good players. How do you think they're going to treat him when he goes back to Lubbock in a Big 12? I mean, think about how much he did yeah. for that program. New facilities, you get to the Final Four, you're so close to winning it all. I think they're going to boo the hell out of him. <laughs> I think they're going. I'm sure you're right because you can't leave for another program no matter what. Now, if I'm him, I'm selling it over and over and over. The only reason I left is because I I went to Texas. I'm a Texas guy. But I don't think it matters to to those because they'll consider themselves the the, the step 
child of, of Texas, right? It's going to be like the college version of like LeBron going back to Cleveland right after yeah. he went right. to It's going to be, I, I can't wait to see that. That, that is going to be fascinating because you have so many, it's much like the LeBron thing. This guy's done so much for the city and so much for yeah. the program. And they're still, it's like that gets trumped, you know, that, that's going to be, that's going to be wild. And now I, I will say with Texas Tech, there are some guys in state that seem to have made a lot of noise, even in this NCAA tournament that, that could be a fit. Now it depends on how big do you want to go. Right. Um, you know, some of the names that you see getting thrown out are almost hilarious. Like, you know, Rick Pitino and, you know, like on some of these are, it's like, man, imagine Rick Pitino and Lubbock. <laughs> like, no, it's not going to happen. Like they're probably going to go with, listen, they have, they have bowling. Like those right? two guys. Yeah. Game. I mean, yeah, I mean, Golding's going to be interesting because he's boys with Beard. Right. So it's how does AD Kirby Hokett deal with this? Does he say, hey, there's no way in hell I'm going with anything close to Beard now. I'm done with Beard because my fans are going to hate me anyway. <clears throat> or do you go, you know, Grant McCausland? Guy wins, it won't matter at all if he's like Beard or not. Right, that's who cares? And that's There's a lot of candidates, a lot of them. Kyle Keller, Stephen F. Austin. Done yeah. a great job there. Remember, they were ineligible for the tournament all this year. In- so Keller, who else? I mean, they're all in the state of Texas. Like it's right. not like they right. have to go far away. And exactly. man, the way North Texas beat Purdue, super impressive. The way Joe Golding beat Texas, super impressive. Like I mean, yeah. there's they're going to have some good candidates to choose from here. Yeah, I, I would think it'll be one of those guys who will be my guest, but there'll be a lot of people knocking on, on Kirby Hokett's door for uh, uh, for that job. How, how do you think Beard will fit at Texas? It's a different city, a different yeah. environment. Does he fit? I know, like, you've heard me, and I gush about him. Like, I think Chris Beard is one of the best coaches in, in the game. Sure. Does he fit at Texas as well as he, co- as he fits in Lubbock? Because the Texas fan base has no expectation for what they need to play like. <laughs> if, if Mick Cronin can PLA where they do care about the style of play, yeah. and again, you win, you go to the Final Four, all right, we, we like you a lot. I don't think the Texas fan base is passionate enough or involved enough to care about the style. If they're winning, they will be all about it. You know, And at the end of the day, if they're winning, they will still wonder about who's playing quarterback in the spring game. You know, very, that, very true. So I think that's the only thing that matters is if Chris Beard wins. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think the other part is we saw him with his first McDonald's All-American this past year, Namari Burnett, and he transferred out after 10 games or so. We'll say How that. does he handle it? Yeah, that, that's a good question because Texas is going to get those types of talents in there. But even from watching Damari Burnett from the second he got there, maybe it was a bad fit or maybe – I just don't understand how he was a McDonald's All-American to me. I mean, like, yeah. it, it th- that was the most surprising thing. Um, and Very maybe true. he'll be really good, but I, I was shocked when I watched them play early. And you're saying this kid's a McDonald's All-American. Normally, those guys jump out at you from a, a skill set perspective or an athleticism perspective where it's like, man, this dude's off the charts – He's like Billy Walker, you know, like he's going up and, and hammering it. Yeah. And he just didn't – I'm not sure what he does great to be a guy that gets that. But he must have played well in high school. You know, I 
It'll be interesting to see how he does as a transfer. Yeah, I, I just think again, if I'm beard, I got to make sure I get a good staff and and, and hire the right people. Oh, we we have a nice guest. Did you see who just commented? Scott Martin. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Texas. Scott Martin's in here. Come on. Yeah. Because are you guys prepared to apologize for your tournament picks yet? Oh, that's funny. Wow. Name Scott. Scott I, will, Scott, I will say I got two of the four Final Four teams correct, so I have no apologies to make. That's right. Me too. And I, I don't know how many people have more than that. I mean, who? I don't think Mick Hep Cronin didn't pick UCLA to go to the Final Four. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Uh, we should get Hep Cronin on the show. He's entertaining. He is super entertaining. Um, so, all right, so we got Beard. Uh, we got Roy Williams retiring. We got the Final Four. The other thing that I, we'll talk about for a minute before we get on the Final Four, Rob, is Oklahoma, the opening there. And um, I put a couple names out there that I think are in the mix, squarely in the mix right now. And Porter Moser, a guy that didn't get Marquette, didn't get DePaul. I don't know if he was a guy or not. He was not the guy at Marquette or Indiana. I don't know what happened if he was turned down to Paul, wasn't interested or whatnot, but he's in the mix at Oklahoma. You know, people would be surprised at that because he's at Loyola Chicago, but he's worked. If you think about it, he's worked at Illinois State. He's worked at Arkansas Little Rock. It's not like he's just a Chicago guy. And I think people think that way. He worked for Majerus at Utah. Um, at St. Louis, I'm sorry. Um, you know, to me, what do you think of that if it, if it ends up happening? I mean, to me, he was such a good fit at Marquette. And yeah. I'm guessing that they didn't, you know, approach him because they had Shaka right. tied up. Um, that would be a surprise. I think he's a good coach. I, I just think that, you know, it's going to depend on financials. I think that if we were talking about this earlier, if you can double your salary or, or, you know, all of a sudden the, the finances of it make that much sense. I do know just from the one time I've talked to him, it was the final four in Minneapolis. He, he did talk about how much he loves living in Chicago. He's a big Cubs fan and we can go to the games yeah. in the summer or like that. That definitely is something to, to take into account. And uh, Norman is much different <laughs> than Chicago, Illinois. Uh, a good college town, but it's certainly going to be a, a different kind of lifestyle deal down there. Um, but hey, it's hard to say when they're going to say you're making two million and now you're making four. That, that sounds pretty good to a lot of people. Let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now is the time. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering a two hundred fifty dollar match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart? They require require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. When you win at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, they pay fast. And now it's even faster with rush pay, instant approval, or withdrawals. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. I know because I've used it. With March Madness uh, right now, there's never been a better time to give Bet Rivers Sportsbook a try. Go to BetRivers.com today or download the Bet Rivers app. Must be uh, 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah. Uh, again, Grant McCaslin also in the mix there. Um, Joe Castiglione. How about that? He's, he's got two searches going on right now. He's got the men's and the women's basketball search at the same time at Oklahoma. So maybe you should help him, Rob. You, you, I mean, mentoring, I know it takes a lot of your time, but I think uh, he'd love your help. 
throwing the three extra you kids right now, and then I'll move on to my next uh, subject. All right. Your next, your next deal. Uh, all right. Final four. Final four. And uh, I think we got one great matchup and one matchup that I worry about. We'll start with the one I worry about. Can, can UCLA give Gonzaga any sort of a run here? I, I know we didn't think they would against Alabama. We didn't think they would against Michigan. They beat them both. So my question to you is, why can't UCLA pull the upset of, of the century? Why can't they beat them? I think because you're game planning for an offensive juggernaut. You know, Gonzaga, I thought, you know, USC was playing about as well as anybody. I had them against Kansas. They smoked yep. them. Yep. Watch the way they play against Oregon. It, it got semi-close, but it really wasn't a, a close game. You know, I, I know that they didn't beat them by 30, but I, I really thought USC would – I thought USC would lose, but I thought that they would give them – they'd be a handful because of their length and the zone. And, and, I mean, it was just – I was on the other court getting ready for um, our game, which was UCLA and Michigan, but it was a, a just a destruction of USC. <laughs> Um, and Drew Timmy is, is really, really good. You got a guy in Kispert who shoots it at such a high level. And Andrew Nemhart is like the third option in the backcourt. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, he's the second option probably, but Suggs is a stud. You've got IIE. They, they have so much talent. I just don't see. We, we said on our, our game that for UCLA to beat Michigan, they got to keep it in the 60s. I mean, they held him to 49. That is incredible. And, and definitely Michigan is not the same with Isaiah Livers out. Um, they did not play well. I don't think anybody played well for Michigan. Credit UCLA for doing that. Um, I just don't see how you can stop this offense. It's like a runaway freight train. And I, I just don't see – I'm not sure anybody can slow them down with the way they're playing. Farnham told us this morning that he thought the best way to do it is just pick your poison and just say, you know what, Gonzaga, if you're going to make your shots – Three, you're going to beat us. Kispert's the only shooter of the group, right? Like Suggs could easily have a, like a one for seven night from three. So if you back off, make them into a jump shooting team and dare them. Go under on every ball screen outside of right, Kispert. Right. If he, yeah. I, yeah. I mean. I mean, that's probably the best way to try to beat them. Yes, that's probably what Yusuf is going to do. They, they, they're going to crowd uh, Timmy the way they did. Yeah. Hunter Dickinson and just send bodies and be like, you know what? If you're going to make threes tonight, you're going to, you're going to win, but we're going to make yeah, you well, make. Yeah. I think that's, that's fair. The other one is a lot more interesting, but could be a lot, could be ugly too, in a different sense of the word. I mean, this could be a, a 57, 53 game. Uh, I think Baylor will score more than that, but uh, who knows? I mean, this could be a, like a backyard alley type game of, of Houston, trying to muck it up because that's what they do, just getting on the offensive glass. Now the question is, Baylor's bigs looked a lot better, Rob. They looked Joshua, a lot better. Joshua played really well against Arkansas, yes. and he had kind of not been around the COVID um, deal. Now, Vital has lived in foul trouble. That That's definitely yeah. a concern. He has had four fouls in, like, every game the last, every like, but with him, he gives you such versatility. You can you can play him at the five. You can play him at the four. You can switch five ways. You can you can switch four ways. You you can do a lot of things with Mark Vidal on the court. I thought Jared Butler did some really good things in the first half too. For a guy that has had some struggles shooting the ball here in the NCAA tournament, 
Uh, he really struggled against uh, Villanova shooting the basketball. I, I love their guards. I, I just think I think they get Houston, but I do think that it's going to be grinded out. And those Houston dudes, man, Quentin Grimes has really fit in there and, and become yeah. kind of the player that I think everybody thought he was going to be at Kansas outside of the Champions Classic where he was that guy. <laughs> you know? Sure uh, was. Giroux is a beast. I mean, that dude, he, he plays so hard. He competes. He's their, I think he sets the tone for them, um, on both ends of the floor with his toughness. Justin Gorham, you talked about the offensive glass. He's as good as anybody going. I mean, he's going every time. And certainly Baylor is going to have to play well because their discipline, Houston is. They play hard. They crush you on the glass. It's, it's going to be, I think it'll be a good game, but I do think that at the end of the day, we get, the final four or the, excuse me, the national championship that we've all wanted. And that's Gonzaga and Baylor. So do you worry at all about, so Houston's played four double digit seeds. They played in the AAC, which didn't really have anybody all year. Right. I mean, let's face it. Like AAC was down. Wichita was okay. <laughs> Did Penny Hardaway would What's argue that? that? Penny Hardaway yeah, would argue I know. that. IT champions. NIT champs, baby. Do you worry about that, of, of the jump up in, in play now and competition for Houston? Because, you know, like Rutgers was the best team they played, I guess, so far. And, and Lost to Rutgers. Um, you know, they Rutgers was missing layups and right. dunk. Yeah. Uh, they imploded. Yeah, I do. I do worry about that. Not so much about the American Conference, but just the road you, you got here. Because all of a sudden you're playing against a, a heavyweight in Baylor. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's not even close. You know, I had no disrespect to Oregon State or, or any of the other teams they played, Rutgers. Um, but the Baylor Bears, you know, outside of kind of coming off their COVID pause, have, have been the second best team in college basketball this season for the majority of it. So, yes, I, I do worry about that for sure. I'm still sticking with my Baylor Gonzaga final with Baylor beating the Zags. I think you went with the Zags winning. Yes. And I hope that. When this happens, we can go to Scott Martin, my high school teammate, current assistant Notre Dame, and just crush him. Unbelievable that he's talking shit in, in the chat like this. If Mike Bray only knew. No, Coach Bray, he'd be disappointed in Scott. He, he expects more from him. The best thing is Bray doesn't care. Like, <laughs> honestly, I could text Bray right now the comments, and he Bray would, would laugh. Like, he was talking more trash to you guys. Coach Bray is the man. He is, he is, he's great. Yeah. I mean, listen, think about that, right? You played for paint who had those three and a half hour practices, whatever illegal, you know, he'd go, he'd go too long every single day and out, you know, Bray's out here. It's like a country club for Scott Martin. <laughs> it was a difference. I think for Scott, when he transferred to Notre Dame practice wise, but coach painter, he definitely, especially my first, my freshman year, and a little bit my sophomore year, we did not – we used all the allotted time. We were not going <laughs> – all, all and then some. What do you mean all? Just all I mean, and we, then some. We were legal, but we used all of the time allotted to us to practice. That's for sure. Give me the, the worst practice, the toughest practice you ever had with paint. Was there something where you were just ready to quit, ready to fight him? You were so pissed off? There are two times that come to mind. Freshman year – he kicked us out of practice on over Christmas break um, because we were we were dog shit in practice. 
And uh, that, usually when you get kicked out as a player, you're kind of like, well, you know, that stinks, but I'm going to go shower and I'm going to go home. And because it was Christmas break, you know, the rule at the time was there was no limits on how much you could practice. So we were practicing. The <laughs> he literally said, you know, you guys get out of here and be back and be taped at 730 tonight. <laughs> oh, back. So that, that was tough. I remember being like, this is trash. Like, this is not, you know. <laughs> This is not good. And then uh, I remember my junior year, we won our first 14 games, and we were on a roll. Like, we beat we beat Tennessee down in the Virgin Islands. They had, like, Wayne Chisholm and Tyler Smith. That was They were in the top ten. We were in the top ten. Good game in the Virgin Islands. Then we beat West Virginia and just slaughtered them at home. Um, we were, like, fourth. They were sixth. It was a New Year's Day game. They went to the Final Four that year. So we beat them. So we're, we're feeling good. And we lose, like, our first three games – I think we won, we won our first Big Ten game against Minnesota, and then we lose our next three. We lose at Wisconsin, which there's no shame in that. We lose to Ohio State at home, and we blew a game. Like, Evan Turner went nuts in the second half. Um, and then we went up to Northwestern and lost, which was not a good loss. And we practice at Illinois for our next game, the, uh, the night before the game. And I remember he – usually those practices when you're on the road are like – more like shoot-arounds. We were yeah. doing rebound more. We were doing transition. I mean, he was – I remember cool. he was on that night. And it was just like, you know, God, this is one of those days where you're just like, this yeah. dude is wearing us out. So those, <laughs> why, did, those, why did I go here? <laughs> I never got to that because it, it was never, like, personal. But he he definitely, like, had a really good way, I thought, about, you know, when it, when practice was over, it was over. Like yeah. he, he was going to say what he was at practice and he was going to try to to motivate you and drive you to be the best player you could be, which is what you want your college coach to do. And once practice was done, it, it was not, it was never personal. And I, I think that's where the line can get drawn when it becomes personal. And he was really good about not doing that. But I think everybody has moments with their college coach where you're like, all right, he just told me to go touch the top of Mackey arena. Cause I didn't jump to the ball or whatever. I I really don't like this guy for making me do that. <laughs> so. the, 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 the best story I heard about somebody practicing the most was I heard, I was going to write this story years ago, I never wrote it. Uh, Billy Clyde Gillespie, when he was at Ranger Junior College, okay? I was told he brought them back four times. Wow. In like 100 degree heat. It started outside. I don't know if it went inside or what, but it started outside and What's that? Thing outside? They were running or doing something outside. They started in like 100 degree heat and then went inside, practiced, and I believe they didn't have water or enough water. Kid passed out, ended up going to the hospital. So this is already about three or four hours in. He went to the hospital. I actually have a picture of him in the hospital bed, and I called him. And, and he still defended Billy Clyde and his dad did and everything. But other players went to me off the record and they were, they were not happy with the way Billy Clyde was doing his practice. So anyway, so he, he's in the hospital. Billy Clyde brings him back again. So they're already four hours in, kid in the hospital, brings him back one more time. They're at six hours, brings him back a fourth time that day. Somebody told me they practiced a minimum of eight hours that day. There are no rules, I don't think, in junior college. So you can do it? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a free-for-all in terms of – I think back at some of the drills we used to do that are 
hilarious that we they would never do now. Like we had a drill where Coach Paint would stand in a free throw line, and there'd be a line of guys kind of like lined up right behind him, and there'd be two guys yeah. at half court on each side of the half court lines, and Coach Painter would have the ball, and the line of guys by him would get a running start, and he would flip the basketball to these guys, and you're going down the floor, and as soon as they got to a certain point on the floor, the two guys at half court could now converge, and it became a finish at the rim. <laughs> You've got two guys. This had to be a Gene Cady special. You had two guys converging <laughs> to the basket, and the dude trying to lay it up, and some of the – I mean, it's like ACL tear, sprained ankle, like just wait. <laughs> And we would do that all the time. Like, it was just a finishing. Oh, my gosh. Three guys just, like, meeting at the summit. And, like, you never we – had, we had one dude. I'm not going to say his name. He was – when I was in school, he was a big guy. And he would uh, – Coach Payne would flip him the ball, and he wasn't, like, the fastest guy in was the it world. Steady? Was it Sandy no. or whatever it was? I will not name names of who it was. Really, if you were like, like when Chris Cranor would do it, half the time he'd beat those guys down. He'd just go hammer one, right? Right. This dude was slow and big, and literally the guys that were converging would beat him. <laughs> so he'd end up a lot of the times having to like stop and take like a fadeaway jumper because it was, he'd be guarded by two people that would beat him to the spot, and he would have, he would never score. <laughs> he would never score in the drill. <laughs> It was a bad drill, though, and that would never fly. To no way. I wonder if I wonder if we can get any tape of you and these drills from 1986 or whatever year it was. Got there in 07, and I would love to see <laughs> me going up there and just turning one over and dunking on all my teammates. Although that probably maybe Elliot Bloom, maybe Elliot Bloom can in the off season give us some some good tape of of, of you back in practice. Like throwing a temper tantrum and like punting a ball in the stands or losing a drill. <laughs> I, uh, did you I do that? You did? I, um, I probably didn't do that stuff. I did one time, um, I was running because we lost the drill. And that was always what, you know, if you lose a competitive drill, you have to run like a suicide or a, um, like a down and back or, uh, two and a half, which is two and a half down and backs. And, uh, I wasn't going to make my time. It's my sophomore year right before Big Ten Media Day. And uh, so Kramer was like the king of this. Where he, But he had done it so well that he was good at it. Like where he would dive and use all the sweat on his jersey to like propel it. He was really good at it. I was not. So I'm not, I'm not going to make this time. If you don't make your time, you got to run it again. And it's just like a killer. So I, I dive – for the line thinking, even if I don't make it, maybe my hustle will get like rewarded, <laughs> you know, like the false effort of diving. And my Jersey was soaked and I slide literally into the concrete wall that's carpeted. And I, I chip a tooth and I get literally like carpet burn down the side. <laughs> of my- Big 10 media day was like the next day where we're flying up. So I literally went to Big 10 media day with a carpet burn down my face. <laughs> I mean, it looks so bad. Like, I did anybody know. ask you? Did, did nope. any media people ask you? Nobody. They banned diving for the line after that because of me diving into the wall. So that was, that was tough. such an idiot, complete idiot. <laughs> when you're really tired, uh, when you're so tired, <laughs> you're like, you can't run on a suicide. I will die. 
you will do anything that you can do in your power. If it's like fake hustle, that thing, you you do it. It just got sunny out here, both, I think, in Carmel and in Indy. The sun just came shining through my window. It's a, it's 40. a whopping 43. No, it's 43 back home. 37 here in Indy. This is the 37. Indianapolis is a Final Four city. I, I really like it otherwise, but you are so dependent. Like, if you're in New Orleans or Atlanta or Houston or Phoenix, it's Let's see what New Orleans is right now, Rob. What do you, what do you guess? What are you guessing right now? 63. Oh, that's cool. It's, not, it's still nice. Whatever. I'll take 63, 70, 72. Yeah, I, I just – listen, I'm, I'm ready. I don't know about you. I'm ready for the games at this point. Um, there was too much time in between the first uh, and second round in the Sweet 16. I, I'm ready for the games. Um, and then to get home after three just, weeks. Leave my own bed. I'm sick of being in a hotel. Yeah. When when do you leave? When do you actually leave for, for the Olympics? When are you supposed to leave? I'll, I'll take off uh, like the eighth, like the eighth of April, and I'll be gone through the end of May. Wow. And they they start when? When did when's the opening ceremonies? The qualifying tournament is late May, and uh, opening ceremony is like late July. So I'm guessing that for the Olympics, we'll go at the start of July and. Uh, cool. It's going to be weird because usually you'd play in like tournaments, but now there's the whole COVID angle. Like you can't get COVID. So you're going to have to like bubble and test and have other teams that are willing to do the same. And like, there's some weird dynamics for that. Listen, I I fully expect we're we're still going to be doing the podcast when you're, when you're in, uh, my trusty Olympics. Uster hates on here. This, this bad boy. Hey, whatever, whatever it takes. You got to bring it with you, travel with it. Uh, I don't care if it needs its own suitcase. It doesn't matter because the pod I, is the priority, not the Olympics. I can have multiple priorities at the same time. The pod will be important, and also winning is actually important too. Winning but the I, gold. Win the gold. Win the gold. All right, there you have it. Uh, another edition of the uh, Goodman and Hummel podcast. Kind of a surprise added edition. We've had a pretty good uh, week with Jim Nance uh, earlier this week. You weren't around for Scott Van Pelt, but we'll do it again. We'll, we'll bring him back on. It was your idea, and, and you couldn't make it, of course, because you're busy. Some of us have to work here. Not all of us is still. All right, there you have it. We'll, uh, hopefully I'll see you. I might see you at the three-on-three. I don't know if I'm going to make it over there, but I, I think I'm going to make a guest appearance even if I don't make it over there. So I'll, I'll, I'll see you. Don't screw up those poor kids, whatever you do. Just, oh, they're in know, great. They're in give, them a, give them a fighting chance. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, see ya. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.